This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's my music. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich, and joining me today is someone who I am very excited to have on the show. It's Grant Akuma. Welcome. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I'm pretty excited. My holidays are about to begin. I am off now until after Christmas, so... This is my last responsibility. I'm excited to get there. <laughs> well, I work in radio, so I have to work on Christmas, unfortunately, because uh, I'm a producer, and there's always has to be someone in the booth to man the shows. So I got I got Christmas, but I'm I'm Jewish, and I get holiday pay, so it all works out in the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the best you can hope for. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm excited that you're here for sure. Um, you, you're actually the first pro wrestler of any kind, uh, active or non-active, that I've had on the show. And I haven't really spoken to wrestlers in a long-form conversation yet. I've met, I've met them briefly at shows and at my job. Again, I'm a radio producer, and sometimes we have wrestlers on for interviews on the talk shows. Uh, and I'm usually the one who calls them and puts them on hold to go on the air. But this will be the first time that I've ever sat down and chatted with a pro wrestler for any substantial amount of time. So I'm, I'm pumped. Uh, I'm pretty excited about this too. I'm, you'll be happy to know in addition to being a former wrestler, I'm also a wrestling fan. So I think if anything, I think that's why people are interested. If they are interested in what I have to say about wrestling, it's more that I'm still a fan than I used to be a wrestler. So. Well, that's good. Yeah. I, we chat on Twitter all the time and you're always raving about, you know, whatever, whatever wrestling match, new Japan or, or NXT or whatever. But yeah, it's, it's great to have you here for sure. Yeah. Um, so before we get to the heart of the matter on this episode, uh, I guess I'll ask you this question that I've asked a lot of first-time guests. Uh, you've probably heard it a million times already, but uh, how did you get into watching wrestling and being a fan? Um, actually, uh, I got into wrestling in the most naive and innocent of ways. Uh, when I was in fourth grade, my best friend became my cousin. He was a couple years older than me. And he was somebody I really looked up to. Uh, my mom married his uncle. That's how we became cousins. So uh, he was on the wrestling team, like the junior high school wrestling team. And it's always hard to get wrestlers on the wrestling team. So for kids in fourth grade, they have a tournament at the end of the year to try to get them interested because they can go out for the junior high school wrestling team in fifth grade. So in my fourth grade mind, all the kids that watch or all the kids that uh, like play Little League watch Major League Baseball and all the kids that play Pee Wee football watch the NFL. So in my mind, if I was going to be on the wrestling team, better start watching professional wrestling, see how it's done. So, uh, <laughs> so I was like very, very early on, like, you know, like Tom Zink missed a drop kick by a mile and demolition <laughs> smash bumped anyway or something. And I was looking at my mom like. Yeah, it seems a little off, Mom, but uh, but by then I was completely hooked, and I've been a huge fan ever since. What about music? Has that played a big role in your fandom at all? Um, really, more so after I became a wrestler, because you like there are elements of wrestling that I didn't really consider. Like I was always very focused on the in ring, and all of the pomp and circumstance surrounding it was something I hadn't really thought about. But I kind of like having trained and been a wrestler for as long as I was, I've kind of gained 
I guess, a bit of an appreciation for everything that surrounds the in-ring and how it kind of exemplifies and complements everything. So mm. at first, no, but now adult me, yes, very much. <laughs> yeah, that actually leads me to my next question. Uh, I've always wanted to ask this to a wrestler. Uh, do you have any like you know fun or fond memories of wrestlers' entrance music when you were on a show? Like, did you ever have any uh, moments where another wrestler's music hits and it really piqued your interest or made you laugh or think or, or groan? You know that that kind of stuff. Uh, well, it's it's a common rib to change people's entrance music <laughs> because it's something you can just spring on people. Like, like Quack's friends used to play "Pretty Fly for a White Guy." <laughs> all the time and like you never have time to do anything about it so it ends up being a funny joke but uh one thing that the thing that probably cracked me up the most is at it would have been the 2006 ted petty invitational uh quack had uh multiple conversations with ian rotten where ian rotten kept getting them all pumped up telling him he was going to bring in dr wagner jr he was going to get to wrestle dr wagner jr and Croc is very excited about this, but apparently Ian said this to a lot of people. It's just one of those things Ian said. Like it was something he'd like to do, but it was probably never going to happen. But it had become kind of a running joke that you know eventually Quack's going to have this match with Doctor Wagner Jr. So Claudio, in one of these ribs, came out to do- uh, Bad Medicine, which is Doctor Wagner Jr.'s yep. theme music. But he also wore medical scrubs <laughs> and a Doctor Wagner Jr. mask, and Quack had no idea this was going to happen. So. The music hits and Claudio comes out and hits the arms crossed Dr. Wagner Jr. pose. Right, and like, right. If you watch the, the DVD or the MP4 or streaming or whatever, and you watch the match, like the camera cuts back to Quack and he just can't contain himself. He's just <laughs> dying laughing in the ring. So oh, that's great. There's probably a dozen situations like that where it's more when things don't go the way they're supposed to or the way they expect than anything that, that happens organically. Yeah, that reminds me. It's one of my favorite clips online. It's from a Chikara show, 06, 07 maybe. Uh, it's the Colony coming out to the ring. Their music is, of course, Ants Marching by the Dave Matthews Band. They come out, you know, Fire Ant and Soldier Ant come out, and they're marching to the ring, and then all of a sudden the music stops. Like the CD just, you know, breaks or whatever, and it's silence. And just the great improv and timing of it all, Fire Ant and Soldier Ant freeze in place. And <laughs> the only thing you hear is the giant laugh of Larry Sweeney filling the entire room. It's it's wonderful. And then the music plays again and they start moving again. But that's that's always a fun memory and a fun clip to watch of uh, when music goes wrong in an indie show. Uh, really, and for people that know Sweeney, that's like a top five Sweeney moment because yeah. he was just inconsolable behind the microphone on commentary. He was just like he talked about that forever afterward. It's like one of the funniest things that happened to Chikara unintentionally. Yeah. yeah, it's it's great. It's great. Well, today, Akuma, we are here on episode forty nine, the last episode of twenty eighteen, 
and it is appropriately called A Taste of 2018. I call it that because if we talked about every new entrance theme that came out this year, we would probably be here for about 14 hours. Uh, so we're just going to be looking at a taste, a selection, and a moose-bouche, you might say, of 12 entrance themes that debuted in wrestling in 2018. Uh, and, you know, there are plenty of things to talk about when it comes to the year in wrestling that was 2018. And I'm sure all of the other podcasts out there will cover all that stuff. But I guess what I want to touch on here with you before we get to the music is the fact that, yes, you retired from wrestling earlier this year. Uh, what's that been like for you? How is life treating you as a civilian? Um, well, I, I didn't use the word retired, uh, <laughs> partly because I don't trust myself to stay out of the okay. ring forever. <laughs> okay. And partly because like, I never looked at wrestling as a job wrestling as something like I was never trying to make a living at it. I just, I like, I became an independent wrestler because I was a fan of independent wrestling. So I didn't really think of it as a retirement because I never thought of it as an occupation, I guess. Mm. But, uh, but things are good. Uh, one thing I do want to make clear, cause I think I might've, uh, maybe confused people a bit with my wording. Uh, like I had explained that I, that I had hung up wrestling because of like injuries that piled up over the years. And that is in fact true, but like, I'm okay. I don't like, like, I don't wake up in pain every day. I don't have a hard time getting out of bed. Like I'm not, I'm not living a bad life by any stretch of the imagination. I just, I got old. And in order to keep up with people that are like 20 years younger than me, I had to go really hard in the gym and like, if I go that hard doing cardio, like my knees hurt and stuff like that. So it was one of those things where like my body couldn't keep up with training to be a wrestler, but like, I want to be clear that like, I'm, I'm all right. I'm not like, you know, limping around through life or anything. I'm still, if I live like a normal rational human being, I, I still live a pretty good life. So I'm okay. Well, I stand corrected then. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 it's good. Uh, but, uh, but really uh, like, for a while, I've kind of had to balance being a fan to be a wrestler because I didn't, I wasn't willing to stop one to do the other. So now that I can, like, people always make the, like, you know, like, if you're going to be a fan, you should stay on the other side of the rail. Like, well, now I am. So now I can just kind of, you know, go all in on being a fan and not have to worry about some people think I'm being, you know, unprofessional or whatever they think it is to outwardly still be a fan. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, uh, I see you all the time on Twitter talking about all the wrestling that you've watched and enjoyed. So I know for a fact that your love of wrestling is still very much alive, which is really great to see. And I'm glad that you're still watching it. Um, of course, it also helps that the wrestling is very good. That helps a lot. <laughs> well, uh, to be honest, I think like I've got, I've often joked that that's like my greatest accomplishment is that I was a wrestler for 15 years and I still love it. Because a lot of people, if they don't like, if they don't hit every goal or they don't hit that one special goal that was really important to them, they get bitter. So I'm very lucky and I feel very fortunate that I'm not one of those people that, if anything, I love wrestling more than I did when I started. And also I do this weird thing where if I don't like stuff, I just stop watching it. So like, there's, <laughs> there's way too much good. What a wrestling. novel idea. <laughs> yeah, I know. For some reason, a lot of people hate watching everything. It drives me insane. But I... Yeah. um. But yeah, like there's so much good wrestling now and it's so accessible and it's so plentiful. Like I don't have enough time to watch all the good stuff. So I just can't rationalize spending any more time on the bad. Right. That's a smart idea. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So uh, let's get to the songs for this episode. Uh, again, there are 12 themes on today's list. Quite a lot, but we'll get to them all in due course. And we're going to start with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, one of the major moments of the year in New Japan was, of course, the reunion 
of the Golden Lovers, Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi. After many years spent apart, they finally got back together. Beautiful moment. And they had some just tremendous matches throughout the year as well. Uh, their new tag theme that debuted in 2018 is by Inosuke Kitamura, and it's called Golden Lovers. So much like a Golden Lovers match, there's a lot going on here. You know, from the opening notes, we hear some furious guitar riffs, uh, plenty of backing synths, some keyboard horns in there as well. It's, I think, a great audio representation of Kenny and Kota going a thousand miles an hour with the dives and the double team moves and the big spots. But at the center of it all is like this really beautiful melody da, 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 that that rises up out of the musical storm and it sounds very heroic and hopeful and amidst the wild rock music i think it's kind of symbolic of the golden lovers story as a whole because for years there was so much turmoil and chaos and the the, the sam and diane will they won't they speculation and all that stuff but Despite all those years spent apart, and despite Kenny going in one direction with the cleaner gimmick and the Bullet Club, and Kota going in another direction, in the end, they managed to come together again and find each other and reunite. And I think that melody represents that beautiful bond that remains strong until the end. Yeah, I think it might be the most fitting of a lot of the songs that we're going to talk about today. Like, it... It just, it sounds like them. It sounds like their story. Like when I listen to it, because a lot of times, like I don't listen to entrance music like in and of itself. I did getting ready for this, but normally it's it's all part of the package. So it kind of blends into the background that I didn't really, like I never really dissected it like I did here, but it really sounds to me like a, like it sounds like an anime love theme, but not like in right. a, not like in a ballad way, but in like the, the high tension, high drama, like, when things are happening very quickly on the screen, and it's almost like a like a music video of everything that led them to that point, where they're fighting to get together, or once one of them is trying to rescue the other, or whatever the big dramatic tension it is. Like it feels really intense, but but it's very much entrenched in the love story. I think yeah, if you know Kenny Omega, he loves his anime very much, so it, that's very fitting as well. Um, I'd also say it's actually pretty similar to Tanahashi's current theme, Love and Energy. Because, you know, both of them start off with that rush of guitars and all the hullabaloo and whatnot. And there's this big ramp up and then the crescendo hits and we get the main melody. Um, there are a lot fewer go aces in this one. But still, <laughs> I think you can draw a lot of similarities between the two in terms of 
energy, no pun intended, and spirit, and they're both in the same kind of ballpark genre-wise. And I think that's kind of interesting because there is that sort of triangular relationship between Tanahashi, Kenny, and Kota that gets brought up often. You know, Tanahashi and Kenny don't like each other very much, but they both like Kota in different ways. And Kota thinks of Kenny as his soulmate, but he thinks of Tanahashi as his idol. So I think the similarities between the Golden Lovers theme and Tana's theme are, are quite notable. Yeah, as, as a quick side note, it's funny that you, would, you just went through all of that and there are still people who say there are no stories in New Japan. <laughs> but um, it's interesting that you brought up Tanahashi, though, because uh, like I was saying earlier, like when I like I always hear entrance music in the the like you know in the scope of when the actual show is going on and the wrestling is happening. Um, I think I tend to associate music with the wrestler or with the 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 matches and the moments that happen within those matches. So I kind of make the associations where like, you know, how if you hear a song from like a certain time period, it kind of takes you back to that time period. Mm -hmm. They're like the golden lovers theme because they have, they haven't had a ton of matches and like everything they have is a big match. Like when I hear that music, like my brain associates that with this big, huge epic match that's about to happen. And similarly, and this isn't a slight on Tanahashi's music, but Tanahashi's Go Ace theme debuted at a time when I was like, I felt like I had to watch every New Japan show live. So when I hear Tanahashi's Go Ace theme, I get really sleepy. Because, <laughs> um, like, it's just, he was always late in the card. And you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's 5 6 a.m. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm fighting to keep my eyes open. So, like, I have an unfair association with Tanahashi's music, but with this Golden Lovers theme, like, I get immediately get excited when I hear it because I just, like, I feel like great wrestling is on the horizon. That's true, yeah. We've only heard it on a select number of shows. Uh, on a Rising, uh, the U.S. shows, the most recent Currican Hall, a few others as well. Um, Tanahashi's theme, we hear all the time. So, you're right, there, there is a, a specialness with this song that other themes don't quite have. Yeah, it's always special. It's always a big deal when you hear it. That's why it's always like, it's kind of like like there are a lot of things now at the holiday season where like, they'd only they wouldn't be great if they were a year round thing. Right. But like, you get really excited for like you know like when when it's eggnog season or whatever it is. Like whenever when you get those seasonal things that don't come around a lot, they they're that much more special. And I think that's another thing that comes with this song. It's like one of those rare special matches is about to happen. Let's head on over to Impact Wrestling. Uh, this year, Impact added quite a number of new faces to their roster, uh, including a contingent of luchadors. Phoenix, Drago, Aerostar, El Hijo del Fantasma, and this man, Pentagon Jr. Uh, Pentagon was a major player in Impact in 2018. He won the Impact World title at Redemption and went on to be in a crazy feud with Sammy Callahan. Uh, his theme there is by a group called Epic Score off their album Distorted Eruption. This is called Fuel to the Fire.
unlike the Golden Lovers theme, this one is a bit lacking in the hope and joy and love departments. <laughs> You're not going to get the warm, fuzzy feelings with this one, folks. But that's the point. That's the way it should be with a Pentagon Junior theme. You don't want to associate nice, happy sentiments with a Pentagon Junior theme. You want, fuck yeah, let's see some violence sentiments. And this song has that for sure. Uh, plenty of crushing metal guitar riffs, pounding drums, some cool little industrial kind of synth tones thrown in there as well. It's only like a two minute long song, but it, it gets the message across real well in that two minutes that Pentagon is this intense badass who you do not want to mess with. Yeah, I think part of the reason why this is so perfect for Pentagon is so much of Pentagon Jr.'s, like, so much of him is about aura. And this just kind of projects that aura incredibly well. Like, when I hear this, I feel like I'm, I'm selecting my character in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> and I think that's how he comes across. He comes across, like, he's not the final boss, but he's someone you have to, like, unlock. And he's everybody's favorite character. Right, yeah. It, it's it's menacing. That That's the great word to sum it up. It's menacing. And that's Pentagon Jr. as well. The, the aura that comes off him, as you said, it, it, with the mask and the face paint and even just the way he stands is so intimidating. And I think this song that he's had an impact matches that menace factor to a T. You hear this music and you're not expecting a guy with a prima donna gimmick to come out or an evil foreigner. You're expecting someone whose sole focus in wrestling is to violently destroy their opponent. And yeah, that's Pentagon for you. That's him. Yeah, I think uh, another thing, like, with when you're picking your entrance music, one of the things you have to think about is cadence. Because different people come to the ring at a different cadence. And, like, if you're if you're somebody that runs to the ring, you can't have something that moves too slow or vice versa. This fits Pentagon perfectly. Because he's not a guy that has, like, a long, drawn-out, like, stopping every three-feet entrance. He's a guy that's, like head down pretty much straight to the ring. Like he'll work the people, but he does it in kind of a way where like he's coming to kick somebody's ass right now. Right. He's not a pop. Like he, it's about his aura, but he's not a pop and circumstance kind of guy. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this too, actually um, fuel to the fire. It's a very you know, kind of scary and foreboding song and in a very blunt way. It hits you over the head with uh, the chunky metal music. Um, do you know the other Pentagon Jr. theme, Thrill Switch by Cut One? Do you know that one? No, I don't. All right, that song, I'll, I'll put it in here right here. song also gives a very menacing tone, but it's more subdued and ethereal in a way that it does so. So it's kind of interesting how Pentagon in his career has had two songs that are kind of different sides of the foreboding menacing spectrum, but they both work. Pentagon is able to pull them off uh, in both, both directions, I'd say. Yeah, I think also, like, 
it was kind of a necessary thing if he was going to work on like on a on a show like Impact where time is much more limited. Like when you're on like I I enjoyed a lot of freedom on the Independence where like I could have a slow brooding entrance and it didn't really take away from anything because we're not like time isn't quite the valuable resource it is on television mm -hmm. but like they need to get him in and out too so it's one of those things where it becomes as much of a like you want to get the aura and you want to get the right kind of atmosphere surrounding him but you also have like you have to make everything fit in these little boxes on television mm -hmm. so i think uh like i'd be i, I want to go back and hear the other one now because i feel like when he was working shows where he had more freedom, I wonder if he took a bit more time and this was more of a condensed version of doing the same thing. Right, yeah, it's called Thrill Switch by Cut One. Um, which reminds me, actually, uh, you brought up being on the indies. Uh, you know, this is a television product and maybe Impact, you know, didn't have the resources to pay the rights for that song. You know, they, they went with this one and that's, a, that's kind of been a, a prevailing theme for a lot of Impact themes lately. Um, the production library songs being used by wrestlers. They're, they're kind of, I think, going away a little bit from the composer, Dale Oliver, and his music being the main source of themes, and they're they're relying a lot more on those library songs, which is kind of sad because I think, you know, we need in-house wrestling composers to make themes and to create themes that really fit the wrestlers and to get that kind of personal connection between the composer and the wrestler. But I suppose maybe it was his decision as well. You know, I don't know. But it's something that I definitely noticed that kind of changeover. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're one of the things you look like as a wrestler, one of the things you look at with wrestling is your favorite song isn't necessarily the best entrance music for you. Like you're not looking for your personal theme. You're looking for your character's theme. So I think having those those in-house composers is actually a really positive thing because you can much better tailor something to a character rather than just digging through the heap of music that's out in the world and trying to find something that just happens to fit. Right. Like every now and then you find something that's perfect, but usually you don't. Normally it's a lot easier to manufacture something like that than it is to try to just happen upon it. Mm -hmm. Well, we go from Pentagon Jr. to a trio, uh, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Gazarian, and Scorpio Sky, SoCal Uncensored, SCU, former ROH tag team and six-man tag team champions this year. Uh, they're also regular players on the very popular Being the Elite web series. And their new entrance theme that debuted in 2018 is by the band Vex Temper. It features Daniels, Gazarian, and Sky as guest vocalists. And it's called SCU. SCU!
this is the first and one of the few themes on the list here that explicitly references the wrestlers that it belongs to. And I think it's hard to make this song be any more referential because SCU is mentioned in it about, I don't know, 8,000 times. It's the opening stinger that kicks off the song, SCU, and it keeps going from there just ad nauseum. It references the three individual members, uh, the Ring General, which is Daniels, the Rebel, which is Kazarian, and the Violent Delight, which is Scorpio Sky. It also references SoCal, which is very important, and it has their catchphrases and wacky banter in there too, and it's a brash, braggadocio rock song, which is perfect for them because SCU is always bragging about how much better Southern California is than everywhere else, and that in turn makes them better than everyone else. Now, the main problem I have with the song is that the production could be better. Uh, the music is mixed a little too loud, so the vocals are kind of buried in the mix there, and it's a little hard to make out what they're saying. I transcribed the lyrics as best as I could. But that said, looking at some of these lyrics, Akuma, I, I think their obscurity Maybe for the best. <laughs> um, really, I have the complete opposite opinion of this. I was so happy this was on the list. <laughs> oh, I um, like it. I like it. I'm just saying, you know, it's it's not it's not Bob Dylan, you know. But <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, production-wise, you made a lot of very valid points. Um, as far as the actual lyrical content, like I love everything about this. Like it comes across like they wrote it in seven minutes, which I think is a big positive. <laughs> um, I think it fits the characters perfectly. Um, I think. Character-wise, they think it's the greatest song ever recorded, <laughs> and I think that's hilarious. And also, like, it's fun. It's fun to hate them. Like, you, like, while they're in, making their entrance and they're doing their thing, and you hear this music, like, you, you grin from ear to ear and laugh your heart out while you're giving them the finger. Like, not every heel is like a front row granny chasing them with their cane kind of a heat. Mm -hmm. Like that's not the only kind of heat there is. There's there's this fun love to hate them kind of heat too. And I think they do it incredibly, incredibly well. I absolutely love this thing. Oh yeah, I mean the, their whole thing is how juvenile they are. And looking at these lyrics, these are very juvenile simple lyrics. <laughs> Our life it's a beach. Your life is a bitch. No doors out of reach. SCU getting rich. We won't be censored, and we can't be ruled. We pity your city, and we pity you fools. It's an 18 reference in 2018. Yeah. And you, you hear it, you hear it, and on its own, you roll your eyes and think, oh, what a bunch of goobers. But that's the point. They're supposed to be goobers. It, it's SCU. I mean, these guys are not supposed to be sophisticated scholars. They're a, a bunch of endearingly obnoxious douchebags who just won't shut up about SCU and how great it is. And they're the kind of guys who would reference the A-Team in their theme and think it's cool. So, you know, as, as cheesy and goofy as these lyrics are, you're right. They're, they're perfect. Uh, the height of the cheesiest for me is the very last verse. They rhyme every line with man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like they couldn't have thought, like it was like they, you know, like they had two more minutes to get this finished and then turn in their homework. So they just slapped it together. Like, like I said, everything about this I love. I just they're they're the heels you love to hate, and this makes me hate them a little bit more. Right, and you gotta believe too that at wrestling shows the fans don't really care about the lyrics; they just care about SCU. 
you know, right. and, and chanting along with it. You know, we are the best. SCU, best SCU. Doesn't it doesn't matter what the other words are as long as the people are chanting SCU. That's kind of really all that matters, I guess. It's perfect. Yeah, and you have to admit too. I think it's the goofiness that pervades the song that helped get SCU more over with the crowd than they'd ever been before. Like uh, I went to a War of the Worlds show back in May, and. SCU were on the card, and they got a decent response. A few months later, I'm watching All In, and this song plays, and they get just a huge ovation from the crowd. And Rich Krejci, who was there live, even commented to us that the pop that SCU got just blew him away. And it's because of all those episodes of Being the Elite, where Scorpio Sky says, this is the worst town I've ever been in. And Kazarian goes on his little rant about whatever town they're in, and them saying, SCU, at the end. It was all of that comedic goober nonsense that got them super over in the first place. Yeah, it's like it's, it's over the top and obnoxious for the sake of being over the top and obnoxious, and that's never not fun. And that's like, like I said, you just, you, it's something you want to be a part of. You want to get, you, you want to interact with them. You want to, you want to get sucked into it. Like, it's fun to just let yourself go and be a part of that whole thing that's going on when they come out. So that's why they're always a highlight of the show. Right. Definitely. So NXT UK debuted this year on the award-winning WWE Network. And on it, they crowned the first ever NXT UK women's champion, Rhea Ripley, who made it to the semifinals of this year's Mayon Classic as well. Uh, her theme is by a band called Divided, off of the 2012 album Brutality. This is Final Straw. listeners who just went deaf because of that song i apologize it was indeed very very loud and kind of scary too with those screaming vocals so again my deepest apologies but for those of you who still have your hearing this is another pretty intense aggressive song dare i say even more so than pentagon's theme and i think that's largely because of the vocals a lot of angry hardcore screaming for the most part, but there's also some really nice, soaring, powerful melodies in the chorus. It kind of makes me think if Paramore was a hardcore band. 
Having said that, this kind of music is not really my cup of tea. Uh, what about you, Akuma? Do you like this kind of music? Uh, not really, no. It's not really my thing either. What are your uh, initial thoughts on it? Um, as far as... Uh, the first thing I thought of when I heard this was it sounds like something Gabe would have used to promote a Dragon Gate USA show back in the day. <laughs> like, this sounds like it's right in Gabe's wheelhouse, and a lot of people were really critical of him, but, like, not everyone is into that thing you're into. I do think it suits her very well, though. Like, earlier I was talking about how it's a lot easier to manufacture something that suits a character than it is to just happen upon something. I do think they... I don't know that, like, throughout her career she'll stick with this. I wouldn't be surprised if she ends up getting a new theme somewhere down the line. Like, I can't see this being her forever theme. Mm -hmm. But I do think it suits her for what she's doing right now character-wise. And it does kind of add to her newly angered ass-kicker character she's been doing throughout the Mae Young Classic and into the NXT UK. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. And the lyrics as well are also quite sharp and in line with the music, I think. This is my final straw. No more fucking around this time. Won't settle for a draw, but this is where I draw the line. Not giving any second chances. You've proven that with your lack of respect. And no, with these circumstances, I am here to collect. Those are some... Badass, take-no-bullshit lyrics. And, you know, Rhea Ripley, the way she carries herself, her presence, her attitude, is very much in line with the lyrical content of the song and with the tone that it's being sung in. She's not a nice person. She's ruthless. She's remorseless. And she's looking to throw down no matter who you are. Yeah, to be honest, I was very surprised when I read the information about this to sit, to hear that it wasn't something that was written for because it suits her character that well. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they really got lucky with this one. Uh, but that said, I think just as far as, like, digestibility for, like, the fan base, like, I just can't see them sticking with it long term. Mm-hmm. Like, generally, as far as wrestling themes goes, I prefer instrumentals over songs with lyrics. But like if the if if you have a song with lyrics, like that's almost like a strike against you as far. Very few songs, re- very few wrestling themes with with lyrics end up being like a throughout their career kind of a thing. Right. So Well sp- yeah, speaking of the lyrics as well, what I find interesting about them is that they are super badass, but they're not inherently heelish, you know? Like even though Rhea is a heel now, the song could go either way. Um, lyrics like, don't be sorry, just man up and admit what you did wasn't right. Maybe this won't end up as vicious of a fight. You can fix your situations and turn that life of yours around. If you refuse to do so, me and the whole world will bring you down. That doesn't come across as blatantly evil as, say, Tommaso Ciampa's lyrics do. So I think if Rhea were to turn face eventually, somewhere down the line, I think the lyrics would still fit her quite well. Of course, only as long as the the tone of the character remained the same. Uh, as long as she was still a badass who was spoiling for a fight, I think the song would work for her regardless. But I, I could see as well your point that maybe it won't last you know, for her entire career, too. Yeah, well, um, to be honest, one of the things I liked about what they did with her was she, she had a change of attitude for a reason. You know what I mean? Like, she isn't just the way she is because she's evil. I always hated right. that kind of a thing. Um, <laughs> like, I like when people, even if they're wrong, or even if, like, they're not the hero, I like when people have a logical justification for why they do what they do. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like someone told me when I first started wrestling, someone told me when they were talking about character stuff, they told me the heel should think they're the baby face. They feel like they're justified in what they're doing and they're right. It's just the crowd disagrees with them. So I think it makes sense. Like, again, the lyrics fit her character perfectly. Like, it, last time she felt like she was too nice. And, you know, nice guys finish last. Or in this case, nice girls finish last. So she, you know, she had a change of attitude because she had did what she had to do to get to where she wants to be. So I think it's less of someone that's inherently evil. And it's just more about someone that's been pushed past their breaking point and have taken matters into their own hands. Yep, it's their final straw. Yes, that's, that's how it goes. Yeah, there you go. And I think too, there's something to be said about the fact that the lead singer is a female as well. I think having those really angry, pointed lyrics be sung in a female voice makes the song actually feel like it's coming from her point of view, which in turn makes the theme seem more poignant and powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it's amazing this wasn't written for her because it's. Like, I'm almost wondering if they wrote the character around the song now, because the two of them fit way too well together to... Like, it's, a, it's an amazing coincidence, if it's a coincidence. We're going to go back now to Impact Wrestling with another trios theme here, another stable theme. This one is for the OGs, Homicide, Hernandez, and King, a.k.a. Eddie Kingston, who I believe, Akuma, you're familiar with in some sense. You may have <laughs> run into him once or twice in your yeah, career. Yeah, once perhaps. or twice, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, in 2018, the OGs had a tremendous feud with LAX, Ortiz, Santana, and Conan. Some wild matches, some even wilder vignettes, too. And the theme that the OGs came out to is by Vice Versa. It was released on Power Moves Volume 1 as part of the APM Music Library. So again, Impact Production Library. This is called Cold-Blooded. What you're about to witness is a man with nothing to lose. Chip on his shoulder, but he's lost with nothing to prove. Nothing to gain. He's not stuck in the lane with just the buckets and chains. They say he's insane. This is a man with nothing to lose The system filled to the brim with the wrongly accused We bend the rules while the laws are firmly abused The news that got you lost, concerned, or confused In some ways, he's still the same as when in adolescence When me is still incarcerated, automatic sentence some things you never... So if you know your LAX cinematic universe like I do uh, Then you know that hip-hop plays a very big role in it And since the OGs were a spin-off of the LAX stable, uh, it makes sense then that their theme would also be hip-hop. As for what it's about, it's pretty self-explanatory based on the title. Uh, The guy, the the speaker, has become cold-blooded and ruthless in life because he's just been so frustrated with society and the system at large and the way that his life has turned out. What you're about to witness is a man with nothing to lose. The system filled to the brim with the wrongly accused. We bend the rules while the law has been firmly abused. Fuck the news that got you lost, concerned, and confused. And to express those frustrations, he's turned to hip-hop. Seemed like writing rhymes was suitable for action. Against atrocities submits the beautiful distraction. 
to wrap his head around the justice that was grim, he learned the line between human and animal is thin. So it's a very hard-edged song, pretty grim, and the way he sings it is rather charged and aggressive, but it makes sense. You know, if you have a stable like the OGs, who are these tough street thugs, who are supposed to be cold-blooded and vicious and 5150 and all that kind of stuff, then yeah, I'd say this is par for the course. Um, absolutely. Uh, I uh, as, as you've alluded to earlier, I know a little something about Eddie Kingston. Uh, for, <laughs> for people who might not know, um, Eddie and I trained together and uh, we had uh, a pretty long kind of on again, off again feud. Uh, we had a special relationship, and by that I mean we hit each other harder than we hit anybody else. <laughs> so, um, so there's been a bond formed over the years. So Eddie has a special place in my heart. But uh, that said, I'm I'm thrilled to see him doing what he's doing. I'm thrilled to see him kind of at the centerpiece of the OGs. And I can say with some level of authority, this is so Eddie Kingston. Like this suits him perfectly. And I even love the title because uh, something Eddie said in a promo years ago was, it's a cold world, bundle up. That's something Eddie's dad legitimately <laughs> said to him when he was a kid and it stuck in his head throughout his life. And he used it in a promo and ended up getting a big, like, you know, people responded to it because it was real. And like that kind of became a thing with him for a while. And that's just Eddie. Like they, they say that the, the best wrestling characters are yourself turned up to 11. Like Eddie's already turned up to 11. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, this is, this is Eddie Kingston personified. And I'm, I'm thrilled that they found something that just, that he embodies so well. Like it's, it's a perfect mm-hmm. representation of Eddie Kingston. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. And it's also a, a different type of hip hop than the LEX theme, which I think is important to note because most LEX themes, including the one they have now, uh, they really emphasize the Latin aspect of it. The music has a little Latin flavor to it, and the lyrical content is tied into the Latin American experience and being held down and rising up, you know, Viva La Raza, all that kind of stuff. Cold-Blooded isn't racially specific or culturally specific. It's more about circumstances and someone's personal story. So I like the fact that when they were deciding on the theme for the OGs, they went with a song that goes in a different direction than the LEX theme does to further differentiate between the two stables. Um, And as well with with Eddie Kingston and with Homicide and Hernandez, yeah, you you do believe this. You, You look at Eddie, you look at Homicide Hernandez, these guys are just tough dudes. They look tough, they act tough, they wrestle tough you believe wholeheartedly that they are cold-blooded. What's great about the difference in the two stables is they're, they're people that might have started out in the same place, but they took very different paths. So now they're, they've ended up in a very different place. Mm-hmm. And this, like you said earlier, just like it suits them perfectly. They're cold-blooded. What I do find odd, though, and maybe you thought this too, Akuma, um, Part of the song is dedicated to talking about the guy's romantic history in high school and how he couldn't get laid. <laughs> um, like like this verse, for example. His first love was Sarah, but never consummated. Getting head from Abigail was sort of consolation. Trying to be with Jennifer took all his concentration because she made him wait six months like he was on probation. Now, I understand it's a production library song. It wasn't written specifically for the OGs in mind. But that said, it's a little strange to have in your wrestling theme, as a reference, albeit a censored reference in the TV version, 
having a reference to teenage fellatio. That's just me, okay? It's a little strange, okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I can't argue with that. Uh, it's no final straw. I'll say that. It definitely, no, 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 no. Like I said, sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't. This was one of the times I didn't get so lucky. That said, though, I actually do like this theme quite a bit. And the same goes for the OGs. You know, I I thought this was the best I've seen Homicide and Hernandez in years. And Eddie is always money in the bank. But I think it's a shame that the OGs were not locked into a contract. Because I think they could have been a really good veteran team. A stable veteran team, too. In Impact's tag division going into the new year. But, uh, oh well, guess not. Yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly not a lack of opportunity right now in wrestling. Everybody's going everywhere. So, like, if they don't end up there, they'll end up somewhere. Like, there's just there's too many opportunities for a team like them not to get a shot. So, going now to WWE TV proper, the main roster, you had a match at WrestleMania this year for the WWE Championship between AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. Nakamura lost the match. Then afterwards, in a shocking moment, turned heel and uppercutted AJ right in the balls, which would become a recurring motif for Nakamura throughout the year. But regardless, regardless, this now heel Nakamura got a new entrance theme. It's by a band called Shadows of the Sun, and it's called Shadows of a Setting Sun. of the song, the face version, you might say, is called The Rising Sun. And this one is called The Setting Sun. And that's pretty appropriate because this is definitely a darker take on the Nakamura WWE theme. They completely scrapped the intro. The down, 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 bum, 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 bum. And instead, it starts with the... And that combination of the violin and the squealing guitar, it sounds like someone is murdering an animal. (laughs) And the rest of the song is this just vicious tune with hard rock music really overpowering the violins. It it takes away the fun effervescence of the original version and replaces it with anger and rage, especially with the lead singer just yelling at you in Japanese. So, yeah, if the intent was to reflect the newfound heelish attitude of Nakamura in the song, then I'd say mission accomplished. Um, actually, I, I think it's interesting that you said that because I actually have the op- complete opposite take. I think it's too fun. 
I wasn't a fan of this when they came out with it. I know I have an unpopular opinion, so more people are going to agree with you. But I just, I think the lyrics kind of add too much of a bounce to it, and they give it too much of an energy. So I actually didn't. I, I wasn't a fan of it as a heel theme at all. Like to me, a heel theme is like, if you're doing a variation of the same song, is like, were, were you watching wrestling when, or maybe you went back and watched wrestling when Doink the Clown turned heel? And his evil, his clown we music talked about, evil clown We music. talked about this on last year episode, uh, Halloween. <laughs> yeah, evil behind the makeup. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you mean. That's an evil fear. Like, this, yeah. like, I think the, like, I understand that I can't understand what he's saying and that it's very aggressive, but like the, the vocals are still too fun and hip hoppy to me and they kind of give it too much of a bouncy energy. Like it has... Mm-hmm. I was talking about cadence earlier. I think it has a faster cadence where the other one was more slow and brooding a bit. So I just, like, if they had happened in reverse, if this one was the face theme, like, I understand what you're saying about the the, the sound bite in the beginning. We're having, going from the intro to having that slashy violin sound in the beginning that sounds like a dying animal. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm with you there. But as far as the actual body of the song, I think there's a lot more kind of bouncy energy to the, the heel theme than there is to the face theme. Mm-hmm. I could see your point. Um, I did, though, find a translation, and looking at the lyrics, these still, they're pretty fierce, aggressive lyrics. Um, Good luck trying to get by me. You're scared. Okay, it'll be all over in one hit. I will break and destroy you. Welcome to your nightmare. I will decide your fate. Escape is meaningless. So try to run away. I will always find you. I will hand you over to your god without fail. Now I've found you. Do you understand? It's my strength. 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 Do you understand? I am the best. Now, I get it. It's still pretty bouncy. It's still sort of fun. But when you have a line in your theme that goes, I will hand you over to your god without fail, that's pretty fucking scary. You know, there, there's no sense of passivity or meekness when you say a line like that. It's pretty much just straight up just evil bastard. And having the lead singer get louder and louder in the chorus as it goes on just asserts that attitude to me. So I do see what you're coming from there, but looking at the lyrics and the way the lead singer just growls at you and, and just so intensely i think this song is really just so proper viciously heel in my opinion i'm i'm gonna be honest i'm just gonna take the l now <laughs> like you completely changed my perspective of that song yeah. <laughs> um, it's, and also like one thing i do want to say like the alternative is you know we could have gotten a song about him punching people in the balls that's true. So this is this is definitely the you know this is definitely better than that. We, we skated on that one, yeah, that's for sure. Right. Yeah, <laughs> but no, you you seriously just completely changed my perspective of that song. Oh, oh. good on me then! Hooray! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Score one for me. Yeah, but but you're right though. I mean, speaking to the notion of a heel remix, you're right. Usually, the heel remix, the typical one, is it slows things down a bit and makes the song kind of you know it's kind of dour. This one goes in the opposite direction. It's still, I think, darker than the original, in my opinion, but it really puts the pedal to the metal and cranks the juice up and cranks up the intensity by quite a lot. 
Yeah, I think I think you just nailed it. What I think it is, I think it's more energetic, which is why I saw it being as more of a face theme. But uh, now that I I kind of see the song more for what it is, it's it's more energetic, but it's a dark energy. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, definitely, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. why I think, like, now that I have a deeper understanding, I feel like I get it a bit more. I think it was one of those things that I just didn't get, and now I do. Up next, we are going to go to the indie scene and discuss a guy who made quite a big splash at Joey Janela's Spring Break 2 and turned that momentum into a second wind. I'm, of course, talking about PCO. Uh, PCO, uh, he traveled to a variety of prominent promotions this year, including GCW, PWG, MLW, WXW, and now he signed to Ring of Honor, which is incredible. The theme he used this year is by the Orlando Pops Orchestra, and it was originally composed in 1931. So a real throwback here. This is called It's Alive. to dissect with this one. It's fairly straightforward. Uh, PCO's whole gimmick is that he is not human. He is Frankenstein's monster reborn. In fact, if you go online, there's a video called The Resurrection of PCO 2018, and it's with PCO looking like a corpse on a table at the start, and then Destro, his manager, hammers a nail into PCO's nostril and shocks him to life with spark plugs. And then he pulls the nail out. It, it's quite bizarre and it's gruesome to watch, but that's basically the gist of him. He is not human. He is a monster who is able to withstand great pain and pull off these insane stunts, both in the ring and out. So yeah, why not make his entrance theme the music from Frankenstein? It's, it's a perfect match. And it even starts with the iconic moment of the film, it's alive, it's alive. So it may not be keeping in line with current music trends, but for PCO, it's perfect. Well, yeah, absolutely. I think I, I like the it's alive in the beginning because I have I kind of grew up with that WWF mindset where you, you have a sound bite in the beginning of your entrance music and then the music hits. That was very prevalent in like the early to mid 90s. Everybody had like a, a little sound clip. So that kind of like fits him because he's an old WWF guy and also fits the character. But I think my understanding, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong about this. Uh, my understanding is that Destro is not going to ROH with PCO. Is that correct? 
As far as I know, I don't think so, because, uh, spoiler alert, um, PCO joined Marty Skrull's new stable, uh, Villain Enterprises, with him, Marty, and Brody King. And the photo they released, uh, Destro was not there, and he wasn't at the tapings either, so I don't think he's going to be there. Okay, so, uh... I think it, like PCO without like this new version of PCO with Destro is kind of in or is kind of incomplete without Destro. And I think like the theme really suits what he's doing, but what's special about PCO and the reason PCO blew up the way he did is because of the the atmosphere surrounding him, the the character and the the aura like we talked about some of the other wrestlers earlier. And one I think Destro is a big part of that, but I also think this theme is a big part of that. Like, I think if you, like, all of this is really important to PCO's resurgence, this character, this, this, all of this surrounding him, like, it's so much more than just what he's doing in the ring. And I think if you, if you don't see that and you don't see that the way he's reinvented himself as a character and the way things like this theme have kind of created this aura around him that I don't think you really get PCO. Like this is a really, really important part of what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And it works too, in the sense that this is not your typical wrestling entrance music. It's not rock. It's not metal. It's not hip hop. It's not dance. It's early 1930s classical music from a horror film. This kind of tragic, orchestral music has it has no place really in 2018 indie wrestling um you know heel doink the clown 93 sure but not in this environment a song like this is going to stand out just as pco stands out the guy feels like a special attraction who does not wrestle the way a typical 50 year old wrestler does he is doing sentons on the ring apron and moonsaults to the outside that almost kill him. He, you know, I mean, Liger is 50 and he still looks great, but even he is like, you know what? I'll do the cartwheel off the apron every once in a while. Besides that, I'm good. But PCO, he doesn't give a shit. He goes balls to the wall pretty much every single time. You hit the nail on the head there. I think he, um, he's made himself stand out. Like right now, everybody's fighting for you know, these opportunities and 50 year old PCO, you would expect him to try and do what the kids are doing. You'd expect him to try to fit in, but the way he's used things like this song and this character and Destro and all of the things he surrounded himself with to reinvent himself, he's completely different from everything else that's out there. And that's what made him such a hot commodity. Mm -hmm. And there is the whole kind of meta thing as well, because that match against Walter at spring break, it resurrected his career. That's what got him into BOLA and MLW and now to Ring of Honor. You know, there's that little kind of wink there that PCO's career has been brought back to life, like Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. it's truth in advertising. Definitely. <laughs> Let's head back to Japan for this next one. Uh, one of the big stories of the year in Japan was the Shima Dragon Gate split. Uh, Shima left Dragon Gate with T-Hawk, L. Lindemann, and Takahiro Yamamura. And since then, they've traveled around Japan and the world as Stronghearts, along with the Rascals and a few guys from OWE, which is uh, the Chinese promotion that Shima now calls home. And between the Wrestle One invasion, 
the DDT invasion, BOLA, OTT in Ireland, and a whole bunch of other stuff, Strong Hearts have made quite an impact. Uh, their theme is by a Taiwanese hip-hop star named Shen Yi, and it's called War Dance. completely honest with you here, Akuma. I have absolutely no idea what this song is about. Uh, my Mandarin is a tad rusty, and I couldn't find lyrics online, but from what I could gather from context clues, such as the title, the propulsive tempo, the repetitive back-and-forth melody, and the excited rapping, I can surmise that this song is about getting yourself pumped up to go to war and to defeat your enemies and become the best. When you have a unit like Strong Hearts, which is just chock full of talented and exciting wrestlers like Shima and T-Hawk and the Rascals and so forth, you want a theme that gets you pumped up to see them come out and wrestle and have matches with the pace and the energy of the song. The song and Strong Hearts, they have such a thrill about them. It's a winning formula to match the two here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the first thing I thought of when I heard this, because I like, I'm in the process of catching up on a lot of strong hearts related things. Uh, I there's too much wrestling for even me to watch, and like I'm all wrestling all the time. But recently, I stopped watching Raw and SmackDown, so now I'm like trying to catch up on other stuff that I had that's been kind of slipping under my radar. And keeping up with what Strong Hearts is doing has been one of them, but it's hard because they're everywhere. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, the first thing that, uh, like kind of came to me when I heard this is when I first started wrestling, a lot of people used, uh, lose yourself by Eminem as entrance music because it has a very similar kind of intensity. Like it kind of like it's, it kind of grabs you at the beginning and then it like the intensity just builds and builds and builds and builds. But like you said, it's the, it's the kind of thing you'd listen to to get yourself fired up. Like it's something you'd listen to before you work out or before you go out and have, you right. know, do whatever it is you do. So, uh, that like uh, like in my mind it's you know it's lose yourself in a language i can't understand that said it gets the job done really well like it's really it it fits their frenetic pace and it um it really like i said it kind of builds that intensity that you like you just start bouncing in your seat getting ready to go and that's what mm -hmm. you want in this like especially for a team like strong or a group like strong hearts like that's what you want in the theme song Absolutely, absolutely. And I was thinking too with the song and the title, War Dance, you can kind of look at Strong Hearts as this kind of roving band of warriors who 
come into a promotion like Russell One or DDT and they kick ass and they take names. Uh, in, in DDT, they are the current you know six man tag team champions, and much like the song, when these guys step onto the scene, it creates a buzz. People take notice and they get into it a lot. You watch Russell One or watch DDT. Whenever you hear the stinger of the song go "Strong Hearts" and the song kicks in, the mood instantly changes and the crowd is hooked right away. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those like it's like you see them coming over the horizon. Like if any, if ever a group of wrestlers were nomadic, it's Strong Hearts, mm-hmm. and that's what it is. It's like they're they're a group of you know they're a group of warriors coming across the horizon, coming into town, and shit's about to go down. Right, definitely. And I also, I was looking at the backstory of the song, and I discovered it was originally written for a 2008 Chinese film called Kung Fu Dunk, which is about a kung fu artist who plays basketball. And then it was remade a few years later for a video game called Kickbeat, which is a martial arts rhythm video game. And now it's being used by Stronghearts. So it's not like this is a completely random song from a random album. You know, War Dance has a history of being connected to martial arts and fighting and as well China, which is where OWE is. It's in, uh, I think, Shanghai. So, yeah, it all kind of ties together. Yeah, I think I, I but like, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think um, a lot of the OWE guys have a background in, are they, don't they have a background in like hip hop dancers or something like that? A lot of them are gymnasts, I think, because you see them, you know, doing like just crazy ass flips and five cartwheels in a row they, they are very talented athletic guys for sure yeah i think so i think there there might be some kind of I, they definitely have kind of a hip-hop aesthetic to them and a hip-hop mm-hmm. theme to them like a lot of times they reminded me of like when i would go to like martial arts competitions and teams would do demos and they would have like a like a group of people that would go out and they you know they do like you know like crazy aerials and acrobatics and stuff like that but they they come together as a team but they have that kind of like hip-hop aesthetic to them and i think that really comes through in the song too i almost comes across like it was like they knew this was a song and then they were like from other things they were doing and then they went out and got clearance to use it mm-hmm. one more thing here you know what the main melody reminds me of what last resort by papa roach just something i picked up on i don't know about you but i noticed it yeah i can kind of say that i think i think i'm hearing lose yourself similarly that's so it, that's it has it, that yeah. similar kind of like a looping thing where like because it's repetitive it gets like it kind of builds intensity yeah like i, I could see it too yeah 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 we've touched upon roh and new japan a little bit earlier so this next wrestler will be a return to those subjects hangman adam page is a guy who i think we can all agree took a big step forward in his career in 2018 with his matches, his character work, his place on the roster, and part of that forward momentum included a theme change. He started using this song as his entrance theme. It's by Vincent Padula, and it's from the Music Loops Library. This is called Ghost Town Triumph.
little disclaimer here before we talk about the song. If you listened closely to it, you probably heard in the background a woman's voice saying, Preview. Preview. Every 15 seconds or so. The reason for that is because it's part of a production library, and if you want to buy the unpreviewed version, the full version, you have to pay $60. And as much as I enjoy doing this podcast, I am not spending $60 on a song. So I got the preview version off of YouTube. That's why you'll hear preview in the song. But anyway, anyway, that being said, this is my new favorite theme of 2018. I get so jazzed up when I hear this song being played. I love the old school western motif with the acoustic guitar and the Ennio Morricone vibes with the whistling and the strings and the choir. And it builds into this beautiful crescendo. It sounds like the song that would play as the cowboy is getting ready for a big shootout or he's riding off into the sunset. So I really love this song a lot and I was so happy that Hangman started using it as his new theme this year. Yeah, I I would agree with you completely. This is also my favorite theme song of 2018. Um I remember I want to say it was during the G1. Did he, is that when he started right around when he started using it? Around there cuz he started using it at Best in the World, which was in June. So like a month okay. before. Yeah, I think the, the first time I might have heard it was in G1. Because I remember just losing my mind about it on Twitter. And then a bunch of people were like, no, no, they're like linking me to all these other tweets where everybody else was losing their mind about it too. So apparently we're we're in the minority or we're in the majority when it comes to our love for this song. But yeah, it's, it fits in perfectly. I love as much as people were critical of him doing a hangman gimmick, like the whole country western motif kind of suits him perfectly. He looks like he should be fighting Patrick Swayze's character to the death in a reboot of Roadhouse. <laughs> like, but um, no, I've been a big fan of everything. He, this is another one of those things where I'm such a big fan of the wrestler and I associate the wrestler with the music that it makes me love the music more. Definitely, yeah. And also, I think another big reason why I'm uh, so high on this currently is I'm currently completely obsessed with Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm, ne- I'm not... You might not, have, you know, maybe you would guess this, maybe you wouldn't. I'm not typically a Western guy, <laughs> but, but this month or the past month or so, I am, and this oh. is definitely added to that. I'm surprised a man named Gran Akuma isn't a Western guy. That, that's pretty <laughs> shocking. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what's great about this song too is that it does conjure up these visions of the West and the cowboy. But at the same time, it still feels like a big-time serious song. Like, when I hear it, I don't think, Howdy, partner, this is a rootin' tootin' cowboy song. I think it embodies the spirit and nostalgia of watching a Western film and seeing the gunslingers on screen take control of their destiny and make the West their own. But it does so without putting on a cowboy hat and singing the theme from Bonanza. And I think the same is true for Hangman Page. Sure, he comes out with the hangman's noose and the bandana over his face and the cowboy boots, but his character is still meant to be taken seriously. He's not a literal cowboy like Bob Orton or a comedy character like Jimmy Wang Yang from back in the day. He just exudes that kind of dangerous gunslinger aura, the the outlaw who won't go down without a fight. So I think Paige and this song just fit each other really well. Yeah, it's really perfect. And like... To kind of expand on what you said, he's a character, but he's not a cartoon character. 
he's not over the top. He's not overt. He's not a parody or a, an over exaggeration. Like right. you, like it's not absurd to think that he could really be that guy. That he might really wear a cowboy hat every day. You know what I mean? Yeah. There, people like that exist, but people, you know, people like Jimmy Wang Yang do not exist in the real world. No. So, but yeah, it suits him perfectly. Yeah, And then even just when he makes his entrance, like he just has to like step through the curtain and it's like, because he, ha- you know, he generally has a ramp or some kind of an aisle way to come down. So it's like, like you said, he's that old school cowboy stepping out into the middle of the dirt road to have the shootout. You know what I mean? He just, he just has to stand there for a second with his legs apart and his hands near his hips and he's there. Yeah. Hmm. Fits him perfect. Definitely. And we mentioned too his elevation this year with him being in the G1 and main eventing shows and, and whatnot, I think that elevation presented itself in his music as well. Because in Ring of Honor, he used to just have the Bullet Club theme as his entrance theme. And I think the connotation of that was that Hangman Page was not important enough yet to have his own theme music. That the only thing you could say about Hangman Page was that he was just another guy in the Bullet Club. He wasn't a star like Cody or the Bucks. He didn't have a cool gimmick like Marty Skrull. He was just Adam Page with a noose. But now that Hangman has improved so much and he's really stepped up to the plate, he does deserve his own music. And this epic theme makes him seem so much more important. And now he's not just some guy in the Bullet Club anymore. He's his own man. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely, um, I had said on Twitter a few weeks ago, I think that if like with all the hubbub going on with all the elite guys, like if, if we, if new Japan could keep one elite guy, I would want that guy to be Adam page. He's at that good of a year. And I really feel like he's kind of graduated this year where he went from being a bullet cup guy to being hangman page where like you just said, he's, he's less one of the, you know, he's less part of a group and more his own man. And this this theme just kind of exemplifies that because he's not he's not a bit player anymore. He's a lead character in his own story. Uh, one more thing for me, actually, I think this is definitely a much better fit for him than the old Hangman theme in New Japan. Remember that one, which was at the siren and the new metal music. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That didn't really feel like hundred percent his music. Whereas this one, it it definitely does because he's from Virginia. So <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah. the old music came across like he. Like, they accidentally played the wrong theme. Like, it really mm. didn't suit him at all, where this was like, this is the polar opposite. They found something that suits him perfectly. Well, we've had quite a few tag team and stable themes on this episode so far. We're going to play one more, and it's from Dragon Gate. And Joe Lanza, if you're listening, you might want to skip ahead about six or seven minutes, because it's time to talk about natural vibes. KZ, Genki Horaguchi. Susumu Yokosuka, Brother Yashi, and Punch Tamanaga. They debuted as a unit called Natural Vibes in 2018, and it's been a non-stop dance party ever since. Their theme is by Honjo Misako, featuring KZ and Brother Yashi on vocals. This is off of Dragon Gate official soundtrack, Dragon Gate 2018, and it's called Party Anthem. <laughs> Shall we dance tonight together? Kill everyone to sing me to the music with joy. Don't hesitate to live on. Though you can't go away. Shall we dance tonight together? Kill everyone to sing me to the music with joy. Don't hesitate to live on. Though you can't go away. Shall we dance
some pretty intense heavy music on the show so far. Pentagon Jr., Rhea Ripley, Nakamura OGs. And that kind of music it's fine to listen to if you're in the mood, but after a while I think you want something that's a little bit lighter, a little bit more upbeat, something to dance to perhaps. And that's where this song comes in. Because when I hit the play button on this, and that upbeat, peppy techno kicks in, and the falsetto vocals, shall we dance tonight together? All of my burdens just washed away, and I am grinning from ear to ear, because it's just so delightful and positive. So many wrestling themes out there are heavy and brutal and in your face, and I'm gonna beat you up. But in this theme, everyone is singing to the music with joy. Don't hesitate to move on. Throw your tears away. Find your own way. Open up your free mind. Like I said, it's positive and inclusive and loving. And I think if the world subscribed to the ideals of this song, Akuma, it would be a much better place. Um, I, I, I feel like I'm going to break your heart a little bit here, oh, but no. I'm more with Joe. Oh, um, no. <laughs> um, Andrew Rich, I, I'm here to tell you everyone is not singing along with Joe. <laughs> Susumu Yokosuka is hurting. He's okay. <laughs> a little dead behind this, the eyes. I'll admit yes, that. This, this man has been through enough, okay? <laughs> they made him dance in Do Fixer, and he's over and over again found himself in, in other factions where they also made him dance. Like, Genki loves it, and I'm happy for Genki, and I want Genki to have all the fun in the world. But the fact that they keep dragging poor Susumu Yokosuka into this is breaking <laughs> my heart. Because it... it Actually used to be in canon in the Doofixer days when they first did the dancing thing and Genki spent his hard-earned money to get dance lessons. Susumu didn't want to do it. The story was that he wanted to be the new leader and they were courting Magnum Tokyo. So they did the Rikishi thing with him. Like remember they used to do the Rikishi thing where they put the yellow sunglasses on somebody and then yep. they'd be into the dance and they dance. Yep. They did that with the Magnum Tokyo masks. They had a everybody had a different colored Magnum Tokyo mask and they would they would forcibly put it on Susumu and then Susumu would be into it like the Rikishi gimmick and he would dance along with the do fixer guys. Uh, but now now they don't even do him the service of putting the mask on him. Now they just force <laughs> him to do it. And the man is hurting Andrew. He's hurting. <laughs> Um, so it, it's a lot of fun if you're not Susumu Yokosuka. If you're Susumu Yokosuka, it is torture, and we need to set this man free. <laughs> he is uh, he is the bear that's been like nailed to the bike. Maybe he's running out, jump, dance, you know, ride around. Oh, <laughs> uh, I just it breaks my heart. He's one of my favorite Dragon Gate wrestlers too, and I've been I've been following Dragon Gate since it was Toriumon, mm. um, and it just it genuinely makes me sad to see him so unhappy. Well, thanks, Buzzkill. Thanks a lot. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. well, I, well, going back to the song, it's a very you know inclusive song because it's a dance song. And Keizy and Yashi, who sing the verses, are encouraging people to dance along with them. 
and to participate. The whole hands up, da 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 da, hands up, da 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 part, and the jump, 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 jump part. It's it's got a very positive vibe, if you will. And if you know your Dragon Gate theme history, which I kind of do, and I think you do as well, Akuma, then that positivity and inclusivity is nothing new because KZ's singles theme, Time to Go Crazy, is a very fun, upbeat hip hop dance song about uniting everybody through the power of funky beats. And Genki and Susumu were in a little stable called The Jimmies Together, whose own theme was about group bonding. So even though this is a whole new unit, I like how it's still flying the flag for happiness and enthusiasm and unity that we've seen with those other themes. Yeah, like it's for the most part, it's a it's a really you know it's a really lighthearted, fun thing. The, you know, the people want to be you know people that aren't Sumiyokosuka <laughs> really want to be involved. <laughs> I just like for like it suits KZ and uh, brother Yashi's gimmicks perfectly, and like Genki's clearly having the time of his life. I just I just I, other than getting Susumu out of there, I agree with you. It is a lot of fun. Um, there are a lot of kids attracted to Dragon Gate shows as we see now with the, them doing the bell ringing gimmick in the beginning. So like it's fun for the kids. It gets everybody's energy up. For the most part, I'm with you. I just want, I just want to save Susumu. <laughs> okay, <laughs> save Susumu 2019. We'll get that campaign yeah. started. Yeah, but also like this has also kind of become like a, and this goes back to the like the very very early days when Magnum Tokyo did a dance by himself. Like there's always been a dancing wrestler in Toriyaman slash Dragon Gate, like almost always there was, or some kind of elaborate entrance, like set to music like that, mm-hmm. like going from Magnum Tokyo to Milano Collection AT yep. and like the, you know, do fixer in the various different stables. Like, so someone would seem like he liked being a Jimmy. There, that wasn't as bad. Like he liked the Jimmy Congo line. He was into that, but the rest of it, the man just wants out. Mm-hmm. And uh, Punch isn't that great either, to be honest with you. Because at least Asumu is sort of capable, but Punch is uh, eh, not that great a dancer, to be honest. Yeah. But yeah, but Punch at least, like, sometimes people dance dance badly, but they still have a good time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He might be having a good time. There's different so aspects of it. miserable and refuses to try. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I think it's understandable. Yeah, yeah, yes. As a white guy, I understand it perfectly. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. The one thing, though, that befuddles me about this song in Natural Vibes is that Natural Vibes are dressed in Rastafarian colors, reds and yellows and greens and whatnot. Brother Yashi has a Rastafarian gimmick with the dreadlocks. Even the name Natural Vibes sounds like the name of a, of a pot dispensary. So you know, why is it techno music and not reggae music? I get techno music is better to dance to, but the aesthetic doesn't really match the, the genre. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. And really you can like there is high energy reggae. Like it's not like they you know they couldn't have an upbeat song. So and that is really but baffling. Because like Kofi Kingston's music was one of the most high energy, you know, crowd immediately jumps to their feet kind of a songs yeah. in wrestling. Like that was a ton of fun and super high energy and got everybody up. Like maybe it's just harder to dance to. Maybe I mean, yeah. even the guys that love the dancing aren't very good at it. So, like, like, Genki's been dancing badly for a really long time. (laughs) And he got lessons, too. Like you said, he got lessons to impress Madame Tokyo. (laughs) But, uh, hey, well, what can you do? What can you do? Uh, The second-to-last theme on the list is another WWE theme. This one from the American NXT. 
It's for Shayna Baszler, who was just a dominant force in the NXT Women's Division this year. Uh, Two-time champ, current champ, actually. Her new theme is, of course, by CFOs. It's called Loyalty is Everything. Suspicious start to a theme. You know, that that's quite the stinger, I must say. The evil, distorted whinny of a demonic horse, followed by the creaking wheels of a ghostly stagecoach bound for hell. <laughs> Seriously, though, it, do, it does sound a little out of place with the rest of the song. Having this 1850s sound clip with the hard rock instrumental... But I guess it's the theme's way of saying that, you know, Shayna is one of the four horsewomen, and she's mean and nasty, which she is. Either that, or it's trying to tell us that she is a time traveler from the 1800s. Uh, either way, though, <laughs> it's a startling way to begin a theme. Yeah, this was kind of a weird one for me. Like, I I wouldn't say that it doesn't suit her, because, like, I was talking about Cadence earlier, and, like, it fits her Cadence when she walks to the ring perfectly. And, but it just, I don't know, something about it just seems off. Like, I'm not sure what they were going for with this. Or the only, thing, the only sense I can make of it is that Sheena Baszler's character wouldn't care what her entrance music is. So, like, that's the only, like, that's what I thought of when I heard this. She was just like, okay, whatever. I don't care. Play whatever. I don't mind. Because, I, like, I've, I've heard wrestlers be like that. They don't care what they come to the entrance, uh, what their entrance is. But... But yes, it really seemed like like I didn't really have a lot to talk about with this because it didn't really like it doesn't like it doesn't suit her character, it doesn't really play off anything. Like it fits her cadence and it's the music that plays in the background when she walks to the ring. Like I don't really have much more of a take on it. Well I'd say this. It's gritty, no nonsense, hard rock. The kind of music you would pound your fists to. And Shayna Baszler is a no nonsense wrestler. She doesn't dress up in elaborate or ostentatious outfits like Charlotte or Asuka or Kairi Zane. She doesn't have a wacky disposition like Nikki Cross. She's just a fighter who loves to beat people up and be an asshole about it. Even in the song, I think, the tone of the guitar has a little bit of a cocky attitude to it. So there's a little hint of dickishness in there. But it's never too over the top. And that actually fits Shayna and her character really well, I think. Yeah, I think it might be one of those things where I think she's just like, it's, if there was an intention with it, it might have just been to let her let her be the character. Because I think it sounds less like a theme song and more like background music, if that makes sense. 
Like it almost like it doesn't sound like the opening credits to a movie. It sounds like something that plays during a really intense part of the movie. Well, it help, yeah, it helps that it's like five minutes long as well. Because right. <laughs> CFOs, for whatever reason, they love making their ninety-second songs looped into five minutes in length. But listen, I, you can criticize them for that legitimately. But I think for the most part, they're pretty good at making those ninety seconds fit the wrestler and finding the right tone and genre music. Like, for example, uh, the Velveteen Dreams music. Yeah, and really, like, uh, we were talking about, like, tailoring music to a character. Like, and I can say this from experience, the less of an overt character you have, the harder it is to do that. Because yes. there's just not as much to work with. So, like, like if you know, if somebody's composing music, they go over there, oh, what's your character? It's like, oh, I'm just an ass kicker. Like, there's not a lot to go on there. You know what I mean? Where, like, if you take a character that's really over the top, like Velveteen Dream, like, there's a lot more to play with. So, like I said, I think it might be one of those things where just, it becomes a less is more thing with her, and it's just, like, it doesn't contradict her character, and that's all they really need to accomplish. Yeah, the amount of, you know, ass-kicker themes, they're not really that varied. You know, it's pretty much just hard rock guitars and drums. That's pretty much it. You know, it's it's Stone Cold, it's Dan Severn. And, you know, a thousand other guys with that kind of music, because that's a character. Yeah. yeah, for that, like, I'm saying, again, from experience, like, you want something that hits when it starts, you want something that hits when you come through the curtain, or hit your pose at the entrance, or whatever it is you do, mm-hmm. and otherwise you just need something to match your cadence. Right. Well, it's time for the last theme of the episode, and what better way to end the 2018 wrestling year than to talk about the king of pro wrestling himself, Minoru Suzuki. And 2018 was quite an important year for Suzuki, uh, considering it was his 30th anniversary as a wrestler. And to celebrate, he had that festival where he had the time limit draw with Kazuchika Okada in a monsoon, which was incredible to watch. And that's also where he debuted the new version of his theme, Kaze Ninare. This is, of course, by Ayumi Nakamura, and it's dubbed Kaze Ninare, The King to the World. Shit. 
So when Kaze Ninare gets updated every once in a blue moon or so, a few things get changed around. Uh, here, the most noticeable change is the addition of the strings to the mix, which I think is really cool and makes the song that much more epic in scope. The guitar and the percussion parts are re-recorded, and there were a few slight melody changes here and there, but for the most part, the core of the song is still the same. The same vocalist, the same lyrics, the same structure, the same beginning with the wind blowing. Basically, they're keeping the bones of the song the same and just making a few cosmetic changes. And really, that's all you need to do. You know, you don't have to go crazy with techno remixes or extended bass solos or whatever. Just make a few tweaks here and there and you're good to go. Just like with Suzuki. Suzuki doesn't go through these wild character changes or appearance changes. He's the same psycho bastard that we've seen for years. The most he's changed was shaving his head. So I appreciate the fact that it is a new version of Kaze Ninare, but at its core, it's still the same badass song that we all know and love. Yeah, I agree, basically agree with you completely. I was worried they were going to drastically change it. I was worried it was going to be as drastic as like the, the remix of Okada's theme, where it like goes in a completely different direction. Um, I was really happy that this basically stayed kind of true to itself. Like it was almost like they, um, like they didn't redo it so much as they just kind of uh, maintained it. You know what I mean? Like that's not right. like it's not remixed or reworked. It's just kind of refurbished. It's kind of kept modern and kept relevant, but still the same thing has always been. And this is like to me, like I've been following Japanese wrestling for a little over twenty years now, and this is like. This might be the most iconic theme song in Japan. So it's kind of like super important. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those mm -hmm. things you really you associate with him. Like he's he's made the song like normally when someone takes a popular song, um, like the song really kind of overpowers them. Like they're they're latching onto the song. Well really uh, he's added longevity to the song and he's made the this what was a hit song from what I understand. Like, he's made it last longer and be kind of more of an iconic thing than it was because it's attached to him. I think she wrote it for him, actually. Oh, she did? I thought it was... She did, yeah. I thought it was just a song that he liked. No, no, but... she... They're, they're good friends. So oh. She wrote it for him. Yeah, I thought... I, I I have my history mixed up. I thought they, they formed a bond afterward. You're probably no, right. You Because I, I didn't research it. I just... Was not... I, did, I did a whole episode about this song, so I think... I'm, I'm sure I did right. the research. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, but... What I love about the addition of the strings specifically to the song is that it reflects the subtitle of the song, the king to the world. Strings and orchestral instruments are often associated with kings and nobility and the elite. In terms of being a pro wrestler, being a grappler and a striker and a brawler, he does come across as this elite level fighter, the best of the best. In fact, perhaps this is a little not as well, maybe, I don't know. Uh, when Suzuki was in Pancrase, he won the King of Pancrase openweight title. So the King moniker for Minoru Suzuki really goes back years. And now that Suzuki has crossed the 30-year mark as a wrestler, it's great to see his iconic entrance theme bring in the strings to acknowledge that kingly status.
Yeah, it definitely it definitely has more of a sort of a regal vibe to it. And it seems like a like it's still the same thing, but it's like a slightly bigger version of it. Mm-hmm. And it's it really it's like it's a fine line between doing enough to exemplify it and and not do and doing too much, and end up taking away from it. Like it's easy to overwork something. Sometimes the hardest right. thing to do is nothing and just stop and back away and let let it be finished. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. But but yeah, it was it was a tough balancing act. But I actually. I ended up liking this version a lot more than I thought I was going to because I'm I was so in love with the the version I was used to that I was afraid it was going to like if it was going to be if it was different it was going to be wrong you know what I mean mm-hmm. I I think the way I felt about this song is that with prior versions of it you were meant to I guess fear Suzuki because he was this epic warrior and that was evident with the intro. Now with the intro, it's. I think you're meant to see him not just as a warrior, but also as a king. One who should not only be feared, but also respected and lauded for his accomplishments. But still, you know, mostly feared, because he will break you in half. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely. Like I said, he kind of comes across like a like a king riding into battle where there's kind of like he's still coming to war, but there's kind of there's fanfare that's associated with it because of his status. But it doesn't feel manufactured, like because it was timed with his 30 year anniversary, like like he's earned where he's at. And it really comes across in that way where he comes across like a it's a big deal when he walks through the curtain, which ultimately is the, is the, the intention of every entrance music. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, one more thing for me on this one. Um, it's amazing, I think, how throughout all of the different versions of Kaze and Inare that there have been, Ayumi Nakamura still sounds amazing. Even though it's been over 20 years since the original version came out, her voice is still so powerful and triumphant and epic. She and Suzuki, they're, you know, they're ageless, it seems. It's quite remarkable. Yeah, well, really, I'm... Um... What's incredible about it is not just that, that they're both like in their own worlds, that they're both still great, but they're both still the same. Because when someone's like, when you fall in love with, you know, somebody's work from 20 years ago, you kind of want them to always be that. And people have a tendency to grow. People have a tendency to, you know, evolve over time and change and all of those things. So the fact that she still sounds the same and that it hasn't, because selfishly we want Kazanina Ray to be Kazanina Ray. Like where having created, you know, having created this for Suzuki, you would like, she might get bored with it. She might want to change it. She might want to, you know, five years later, like look back and be like, Oh, I wish I'd done this differently. Or I wish I'd done that differently. And the fact that she let it be what it is and what everybody has fallen in love with is a really commendable thing because like long before wrestling, I used to be an artist, and I was really bad about overworking things. Like I couldn't look at something I did two months earlier and not mess around with it or change something, or you know, what I mean, like I was always mm-hmm. second guessing myself, and I was always re redoing things or finding a new spin I wanted to put on things. The fact that she just understood that it was finished and basically left it alone is the most special thing about it, I think. Mm-hmm, for sure. All right, well, that was our look back at some of the themes that 2018 Pro Wrestling had to offer us. A pretty eclectic mix of rock and techno and hip-hop and Frankenstein. (laughs) We were dipping our toes in many pools there, but that's wrestling for you. It's a giant buffet of different 
styles and tastes. And now we look forward to all of the new themes that will come in 2019. Because in the words of Journey, the wheel in the sky keeps on turning. Akuma, do you have any uh, final thoughts on this episode? No, just I just wanted to thank you for having me. I got to kind of step out of my wheelhouse a little bit and kind of expand my horizons a little. This is not exactly my biggest area of expertise. Most of the time when I'm talking about wrestling, I'm talking about the actual wrestling. So mm-hmm. this was a lot of fun. And, I, you know, I definitely learned some things. So I'm going to call it a win. Well, thank you very much. I, I This was awesome. You were awesome. And I'm so glad you came on the show. So the pleasure was all mine, sincerely. Uh, and yeah, that does it for this episode of Music of Met. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Akuma, any plugs you want to give out? Go right ahead. Um, no, I'm pretty much just hanging out now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying having free time because that's not a thing when you're a wrestler. But uh, I'm, I, I suppose um, if I'm doing anything, you will find it on my Twitter. So my Twitter is at underscore underscore Akuma because somebody already had Grant Akuma. So I apologize, <laughs> but damn them. But for my, from what I'm told, frustratingly positive takes on wrestling, <laughs> you can follow me there. And anything else I'll do, I'm sure I'll be talking about there as well. You, Rob Naylor, and Alan Farrell are like the three musketeers of happiness on wrestling Twitter. You're always, you're always so happy. <laughs> a lot to be happy about. That's great to hear. That's great to hear. And music of the mat is part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can find. Many other great wrestling podcasts on there at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at MusicOfTheMet. Follow me on Twitter at AndrewTRich. You can find the YouTube playlist for this episode and all past episodes at the VOW forums, VoicesOfWrestling.com slash forum. And of course, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. Oh, also, also, keep an eye out for the 2018 New Japan Year in Review ebook that is coming out pretty soon. Uh, every year, VoicesOfWrestling.com puts out an ebook that is a big retrospective of the year that was in New Japan. Uh, profiles on wrestlers, profiles on tag teams, essays, stats, reviews title histories, all that good stuff and more. I'm writing for it again this year, and it should be coming out uh, pretty soon after this one drops. So keep your eyes peeled for that one coming out. Uh, Make sure you follow at Voices Wrestling on Twitter for any updates to that. So Akuma, thanks again, and I hope you have a happy and healthy new year. Thank you. Happy holidays, everybody. All right. For Grand Akuma, I'm Andrew Rich. I hope all of you, yes, you out there, also have a happy and healthy new year. Thank you so much for supporting this wonderful, wacky podcast in 2018. I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat in the year 2019. Oh my goodness. Take care, guys. The warmth of your love's like the warmth from the sun And this will be our year to a long time to come don't let go of my hand now, the darkness has gone. This will be our year, took a long time to come. And I won't forget the way you helped me up when I was done. And I won't forget the way you said, darling, I love you. You gave me faith to go on. Now we're there, and we've only just begun. This will be our year.
Music of the Mad is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.